When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Know your times. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company this morning. Still with me, Head of Research at the Adam Smith Institute, Matthew Lesh. Uh, and uh, right now I'm delighted to be joined by the Transport Secretary, Grant Shapps. Good morning to you. Morning. Good morning. Um, let's uh, talk exit strategy, shall we? Dominic mm. Raab at the press conference last night and number 10 was saying that we're setting out these five tests before we can start the exit strategy. We spoke a little bit earlier to Ben Bradshaw, former health minister and uh, uh, still a Labour MP, saying that his big concern is, is that we actually, uh, the government doesn't have a plan uh, and there isn't actually a strategy. Is that right? Because a lot of people are worried that it's not a question of you not telling us what it is or telling us when. You don't actually know how we do get out of this lockdown. Well, it's an irony that the more sort of upfront you are about these things and straightforward, the more people come up with comments uh, like Ben Bradshaw's. No, I don't think that's fair or right at all. I mean, Dominic Rabb, as you, as you mentioned, set out five tests yesterday for when it would be right to come out of it. And then also said, We've got the um, scientists, the, the what, what's called SAGE, the Scientific Advisory Group, um, who are going to tell us the right measures to use at the right time um, to come out of it, some of which will involve loosening, and it is possible that one or two things could involve tightening um, things up. So it's, it's not that we don't know, it's just we actually believe in being scientifically led rather than have politicians say, oh, I think we should do this now, let's go and do it, and the scientists saying, but we haven't even recommended that yet. 
Um, and yet we are seeing other countries across Europe, including Germany, who seem to have had, so far had a, as much as it's possible to have a, a, a better pandemic than, than many other countries in Europe, uh, that they are beginning to uh, ease the lockdown, the children going back to some schools as of next Monday, but also Angela Merkel, the Chancellor, actually setting out what the strategy will be. Could we not at least have an idea of what it's going to, you know, what it's going to look like, whether it's going to be young people coming out, whether it's going to be different regions, whether it's going to be, you know, schools back or not? Um, or is the fear among the government that actually every time you give an advance warning about something, either that gets delivers a mixed message and some people think, oh, well, in that case, the lockdown's over, or that you'll be accused if you change your minds based on the science, you'll be accused of a U-turn? Well, it is absolutely true to say that we want to have a very clear message. And you know, I think people understand it because the level of compliance has been phenomenal beyond anything that that uh, people thought might be the case and uh, grateful to the British public for responding, staying home and saving lives. Um, But secondly, um, as is is quite clear, you can't measure things like the reproductive rate of this disease until you've done the the measurements as it starts to decline. Now, it looks like the, the graphs are sort of plateauing. We have these very sad numbers of deaths every day and it looks like they've they've flattened off at the same level but they're still very high we need to see that come down and then be able to measure it and then for the scientists to make the recommendations as to all of those things you asked about which environment um, will the will will we um, see the best outcomes uh, in if we allow them to open be that as you say schools or workplaces or anything else so you know it's just i just can't overstress and i think it's actually you know commendable that this country has been very much scientifically led and you mentioned other european um, states it, it is also the case that in it, this virus was in if you remember china first then it came to europe which i remember the who saying was the epicenter but at that stage it wasn't really taking a hold in the uk we are two or three weeks behind some of those uh, other countries in this pandemic so um so that's also another reason why you may hear different messages elsewhere but we're determined to carry on taking the scientific medical advice because it's the right thing to do um, rather than have politicians decide. You began your answer, Grant Shapps, by talking about uh, how you know, people have obeyed the lockdown. Isn't one of the worries of the government right now is that actually people have been rather more obedient than you expected? Uh, we've seen far fewer children at school than was expected of key workers and indeed uh, uh, children at risk. We've seen far fewer people continuing to work outside the home um, and uh, and staying home on lockdown. Far more people applying uh, to be uh, furloughed and bank and, and businesses applying for help. And and actually there has been a much much bigger economic cost than was expected in terms of the trade-offs for keeping people alive and safe uh, and also keeping our economy uh, going to we still got you know a country to come back to um, is there not a concern in government that actually the lockdown has been not 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 strict enough but too strict i mean look i to be completely straightforward with you and your your listeners it, it, I, i've been the first to say it's important that we have an economy to come back to and the whole of the cabinet we had a cabinet meeting yesterday believes that and recognises it. Um, We also know that we cannot simply go back to business as usual because you know exactly what would happen under those circumstances. Those new Nightingale hospitals would fill up. We would be overwhelmed in NHS and in social care. Um, So it is not something which is sort of one against the uh, other. When we do return, to answer your question about are we fearful of the 
people's responsible, people want to go back to work, etc. It's very unlikely when we return that, you know, on the Monday morning we say, right, country's back to normal, everyone back to school, back to work, back to this, back to... It's going to be a more gradual thing. So actually, people will have um, probably the society as a whole would have the opportunity to um, adjust. And uh, that's actually going to be um, helpful to the process of of getting people back. Well, people getting back to work, obviously, a lot of them will be using public transport. Now, we have had quite against government guidance in recent weeks. Sadiq Khan, the London mayor, because London being the epicentre of the coronavirus outbreak to date, uh, telling people, you know, unless you're an essential worker, you may not use public transport. I'm not aware that that is actually the law. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, but uh, he has now been this morning calling for a requirement from the government that people wear masks on public transport. He's also instituted uh, uh, people into, uh, entering buses only on the middle uh, uh, door rather than the front door to keep bus drivers safe, which seems a pretty sensible move. But um, uh, will you be bringing in, do you think, when we are uh, out of uh, the lockdown or even before then, a requirement on people wearing masks when they're in enclosed spaces like buses, trains and tubes? Yeah, I, I look, I, I, Sadiq Khan wrote to me uh, about this yesterday and uh, my appeal to him, and it's what I'll be writing back to say, is, again, I don't want to be a scientific bore here, but let's actually allow the scientists to advise us on this. And we, There's a subcommittee of SAGE, that uh, advisory group, looking at this right now. They have so far told us that there could be advantages and there may be disadvantages. It could be counterproductive. Indeed, in Sadiq Khan's letter to me, he says that uh, he knows that it could be counterproductive. So I think it is not the right time to go against the overall um, scientific government advice and start to deploy different measures in in, in different um, cities. That doesn't seem to me to be the right approach. Even though other countries that have, have used it seem to have a lower rate of infection, yeah. the ones well, who are using masks. Well, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a mixed picture. The, there are several concerns that the scientists have, and until they've resolved them, um, I, I don't think it's right to, to go ahead. One is that, you know, these are not medical level masks we're talking about and if they are then it's taking them away from frontline and nhs and we wouldn't want that the second is um the, the danger of sort of secondary um infection people take the masks off um the third is that people think that they're protected when they're not because a scarf is not a medical uh device um and so i think it's very important that we don't end up in a situation where we're giving what sounds like um uh, you know genuine uh medical advice but in fact it's not and which is why i want to ask i've asked the chief medical officer and the the scientific officer to provide uh, proper medical advice on this and then we can be guided um, by it uh, rather than um, just doing something because you've seen it on tv All right. Um, let's also talk then about masks for those on the front line in the NHS or care workers uh, in care homes and the like and GP surgeries. Yet again, we've got more reports of shortages of PPE, the personal protective equipment. Um, you know, you know, a billion pieces of PPE have been distributed in the country. We're told again and again, there's plenty of the stuff in the country. It's just getting it to the right places. Yet today, a, a director of a large NHS trust is apparently saying he's only got enough gowns uh, for, to, for less than 24 hours. With the weekend coming up, he's genuinely concerned. We're a first world country, Grant Shapps. How is it possible we can't get gloves, masks and gowns to our frontline NHS workers? What is going wrong? Well, Julie, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. It is a huge global um, problem where every country in the world has suddenly wanted huge amounts of PPE. We didn't have a huge domestic uh, production in PPE uh, up until now. The companies have got into that uh, and we've been working night and day to try to fulfill the demand as you rightly mentioned a billion individual pieces 
distributed by um, the army in many cases with an enormous logistical uh, effort behind it and now of course that NHS number staffed by NHS workers um, that people can call to ask for uh, that PP uh, equipment but it isn't straightforward it, it isn't um, it hasn't been uh, perfect, uh, as with so many parts of this, from building those Nightingale hospitals to ensuring that we ended up with enough ventilators and beds, which both of which were um, achieved with with um, excess supply. Um, you know, this hasn't been straightforward, and I, I don't want to sort of pretend it is, um, but we are working to do everything possible, and so many people are working on the front line to make that happen, and we do want people to have the right uh, equipment uh, delivered to them as well and that number okay. that NHS number should help to get that there. Just finally Grant Shapps um, are you confident that at the end of this pandemic when we are out of lockdown hopefully and uh, along with other countries around the world uh, particularly around Europe that Britain will see a death toll either lower or around average uh, than uh, other countries that are fighting this pandemic are you confident that all the right measures are being taken and have been taken at the right time and that we will come through this without a higher death toll than our uh, fellow nations? Look I simply don't know um, the answer to that question I don't think anyone will know for quite a long time for example countries that think they're out of it do they have a second wave what is the um, what's the you know sort of counterfactual what what's happened to people who might normally have accessed the NHS I've been concerned to see um, some of those numbers um, falling that may have caused illnesses or deaths which perhaps don't come to, um, to to light for months or even years um, so I think there'll be a lot of factors that will need to look at and again rather than guessing um, I'll, we'll ask the people like the Office of National Statistics the ONS to tell us that information learn um, any of the, the, the lessons but I think what has been noted and it's been internationally noted about the UK is the extent to which we have looked to the scientists and the medical profession to advise on this rather than having um, uh, you know politicians decide and it's been very notable in those daily press conferences I can't think of any other press conferences where I've seen this on a consistent basis looking at other countries approaches where it's the medical advisors who are so on the front line telling us what they think the right approach will be so I don't know the answer uh, overall I do know that without the enormous effort of the British public there's no way that we would be having it contained in as much as it has been with those graphs now starting to uh, flatten out um, it would have been so many times worse had people not adhered so incredibly strictly to the advice for which we're okay. all very grateful Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Well, let's talk about all of this with Dr. John Lee, a former professor of pathology and a retired NHS consultant pathologist. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Good morning. Now, we, we touched on this issue before, but uh, this is obviously very much in the news now. Um, when we look at, you know, who is dying, we are seeing uh, certainly a much larger proportion uh, of those who are uh, Asian or uh, Afro-Caribbean or African uh, are dying from uh, this virus. Um how much is it possible to tell whether there is something that is affecting the actual you know, physical bodies of people who of particular ethnic groups in the virus or how much this is down to external factors? Well, yes, it, it's, uh, it, there's a, a principle in, in science, which is that you should treasure your exceptions. So if you see something affecting anything in a different way, um, a scientist will be interested in that because it may give you a handle, it may give you a bit of insight into the way the thing is working. So in in a virus, um, if if a virus is affecting different groups of people differently, um, you you want to have a look at that because it may actually give you a handle on how the virus gets into cells, how it infects us and so on and so forth. Um, Of course, the problem with looking at something like this is it's very complicated, as you say, and there are lots of different factors that can be involved. Yeah, I mean, that's, there are so many different factors involved. I mean, we don't even know yet whether this, that there is actually a specific uh, different effect. It may just have been as it, out external factors. We know age is a factor, don't we? If you're over 70 and over age of 90, you've got a much higher chance, unfortunately, of dying of this virus. If you are a male, you, it's something um, over 60% of people who've died are, are male rather than female. And we know if you've got underlying health problems, that's a big factor. Nine out of 10 of those who die are, are, are those who have underlying health conditions. Most have three the the largest number of those are heart disease dementia and respiratory illness um very much related to age and weight there um could it be that the factors that are causing more people from ethnic minorities to die are actually things like obesity we know that among the asian community in britain diabetes is six times more prevalent than in the white community uh, obesity also a big issue uh, in asian and and, uh, and afro-caribbean communities uh, due to diet um the fact that you are far more likely to be living in three generation housing, particularly if you're Asian, big you know, move to sort of keep the grandparents in the in in the family instead of in care homes, more likely to live in in cities, which of course have been the biggest hit, particularly London, more likely to live in overcrowded homes. There are lots and lots of those different factors, aren't there, which are completely external to the virus, but would make it more likely that sadly we would see more deaths. Yes, that's, that's right. I mean, you, you, it's, it's all, all good points, and you mentioned quite a few of them there. I mean, the, the, the first place, I guess, that you might think about, uh, you know, off the top of your head, uh, ethnic minorities being different would be if there's some sort of genetic susceptibility. Is there some difference in people's makeup? I mean, when we look at genetics, most of our genetic makeup is very similar across the world. But obviously, the reason why we have different races is because there are slight differences between us. Um, so the genetic susceptibility aspect could be looked into, for example, via the, the, the biobanks that are around the world. There's a UK biobank which has tissue from 
lots and lots of different hundreds of thousands of people all of different uh, backgrounds and if it's possible to study the uh, the the way that the virus gets into cells for example it may turn out to be that particular groups of people have a slightly different receptor and therefore it makes it slightly easier to get into the cell and therefore get an infection the, the trouble with it is as you say there are so many confounding factors so for example the sorts of things that you were mentioning um social class for example the, the the wealth levels of people the educational levels of people the types of jobs that they do um their existing burdens of disease so you mentioned uh, you know obesity diabetes uh, also certain ethnic minority groups have more heart disease uh, amongst them uh, maybe they have differences in smoking habits there are specific diseases that can affect ethnic minority groups such as um sickle cell anemia and this is a condition that particularly affects black people from sub-saharan africa origin uh, because this was a, a trait that protected against malaria but of course it can also uh, cause uh, illness if you get a low oxygen level so maybe a combination of the virus and the lungs and the low oxygen level makes these people more susceptible and then there are things like you say like cultural factors the size of the household and gatherings and how people actually respond to these things but i think the i think one thing that i would like to mention is that the elephant in the room with this really is is what we're doing in response to the virus in response to the virus we've enacted these lockdown measures which are having a huge effect on on absolutely everything and they are going to store up economic and health trouble for us in the future yeah. as well as as well as now and one key factor about that is that whenever you have an economic downturn um the the, the poorest segments of society actually suffer most so the fact is that's a, that's another store of potential trouble for uh, I, I guess some ethnic minority groups in the future that people who are lower incomes tend to be affected most by economic downturns and the health consequences of yeah the, the long term health consequences well we know there's already some statistics suggesting that um, sixty thousand people may die uh, of cancer because they're not going to 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 see their GP we've seen a massive fall in the rate of referrals to uh, cancer specialists uh, and I know certainly people in my own family who've had a uh, health scares in recent months being told oh well you know we can't deal with this now but we'll make you an appointment in October and you just think are we at risk right now of of, of in, in our focus on coronavirus where we are actually ignoring huge numbers of other health complaints that people have which may actually have far more deadly consequences in terms of the numbers of people who die well I think I think that's absolutely right I mean it, it there's a basic principle in medicine <clears throat> which dates from the time of Hippocrates and that is first do no harm so if you're going to give a treatment for anything, uh, you want to make sure that the treatment's benefits greatly outweigh any side effects it might have. And in this case, everybody seems that, well, at least the powers that be, have been focusing solely on coronavirus. And they've been applying this treatment, which is lockdown, really without any ses- assessment of the side effects. And really, that isn't a way to do medicine. I mean, the, the fact is you have to consider the side effects. You cannot just focus you know, monomaniacally on one thing and ignore all the other things. I, I was a I was a cancer lead clinician for my trust for over 10 years. So I'm very well aware of all the, the cancer targets. And we spent a long, long time trying to improve cancer care, get people moved through the system. And these have all just been put to one side because of coronavirus. And this is taking a part of healthcare that we had really well sorted out in this country and that's been working really well and putting all those people, uh, young and old, with ongoing health problems to one side on the basis of a new health problem that may or may not be as bad as we thought it was going to be and actually seemed to be probably not as bad as we thought it was going to be. So that is very worrying indeed, in my view. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. But right now, though, let's uh, talk about people who do make a difference, who are essential workers, and that's our teachers. Uh, let's talk to a guest now, Ashley Bates, um, who has basically managed to create a virtual school during lockdown 
from his unused shed. This is a wonderful story. Ashley joins us right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, I love this. I mean, look, a lot of schools have done a fantastic job where they are uh, offering virtual lessons and they're all keyed up for it. And they've got kids who've got Wi-Fi and they kit at home. A lot of schools are really struggling. A lot of parents are really struggling, those having to work from home, but have got young kids, uh, no childcare and the like. Um, tell us how uh, your, your shed school, <laughs> as it's called, the shed school, tell us how it works and who can access it. So, yes, it's, the, it's called The Shed School. It's a free online educational platform where children can watch and ultimately join in on live lessons that I teach every day. Um, they're aimed for key stage one. Uh, all the children need is a piece of paper and a pen. Um, and it, it basically came from that thing of schools shutting. Um, I work as a primary school teacher and our school shut. And it was a case of, right, well, what do we do? I kind of just go home and get on with our lives, I suppose. And um, I was just doing jobs around the house and cleaned out my shed and the family walked past and said, oh, Mr. Bates, would you mind helping us teach our children? I said, oh, well, yeah, I suppose I could. Um, I just cleaned up the shed first and walked back in and thought, actually, you know what? I could just turn this into a bit of a TV studio and why not teach lots of children? Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's taken off, really. <laughs> Snowballed from there. And it is extraordinary. Yeah. And you, you've, you've got, you've gone from just, you know, a couple of people to, to was it 53,000 engagements across the UK and beyond? It's been incredible. Yeah, we started off with kind of 10, 20 family members really watching uh, and taking part in these live lessons. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely snowboard. It's, we now kind of feeding to so many students across the world. Um, we've kind of got uh, people that contribute from New York and Egypt and uh, even as far as Australia. Um, and what's really nice is that they all send their work in to me as well. So I can kind of have a look at it and we, we share it in our little shed community. Um, uh, and and that's, that's basically what it is. I just it's love it. I think it's wonderful. So daily live. So at 10 o'clock, there's a daily live KS, Key Stage 1 maths class and yep. then uh, the Key Stage 1 English class at 11 o'clock. And that's for children aged 5 to 8. And, and again, I, I, we're talking about this with the chair of the Education Select Committee, Robert Halford, a little bit earlier. There's been so much focus, hasn't there, about GCSEs and A-levels and these crucial years for teenagers. But people often forget, and I've noticed this particularly with parents who take their kids out early, early from uh, before ahead of school holidays to get cheap flights during term time. They go, oh, well, they're only at primary school. It's not a crucial time. On the contrary, these years are absolutely vital for this foundation of learning, some key sort of uh, ideas and, and principles in maths, in science, in, in, in uh, their, their writing, uh, but also in terms of their love of learning as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's creating that structure. Uh, I think that's what school gives them at that early age, is that structure when they go in and see familiar faces every day that isn't just mum and dad. Um, and ultimately, that's kind of what I'm trying to create with the Shed School, is that familiarity that they, can, they know every day at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, they can tune in and still going to be, be there, and their friends on the Shed are still going to be there, um, and, yeah, have that kind of that engagement and that kind of that love for learning. Yeah, I think I genuinely, I think it's absolutely wonderful. So look, tell people where they can find it. There might be some parents sitting there thinking, oh, good Lord, I've got to teach my child. How can they find you? <laughs> well, uh, we are on Facebook and we're on Instagram. It's at The Shed School. Daily lessons, that's Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. for maths, 11 a.m. for English. Uh, more information at www.theshedschool.co.uk. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.